But before we jump into reading the first six chapters of Nehemiah, I'm not joking, I'm not joking, I'm serious. Before we do this together, I have to say something, because so many of you have joined us along this, this journey, right? Uh, there's very few that have been at New Hope for 35 years, and that's beautiful, because God's brought the right people in for the right season, and he's bringing people in now, like you, my brother, and like others, um, that will be important for our next season. We need David to speak into our family and to use his gifts and be called in whatever he has, God's calling him. Otherwise, God wouldn't have brought him. So him being here is an indication that he is part of this next step. So anyway, the reason I talk about this journey is because three years ago, on January 7th, 2019, I preached from this chapter, chapter one only of Nehemiah. And I didn't realize it, but it was absolutely a prophetic sermon. It was just me at that moment saying like, ah, it feels like in Christianity, our walls are kind of broken down. And I don't know if you remember that sermon, but I do. That to me was like a certain kind of day, a special kind of day. And, and I felt like we need to be rebuilders of the walls, but it was sort of metaphorical, right? Like, let's rebuild the, the reputation of the church in the world. Let's be active in our faith the way Jesus was and not be bystanders, but be participants in God's story. It was that sort of a thing. And that really was just this, this big turning point in my heart and in my calling and in my feeling God leading us as a church over these last three years. But I want to read it again because it takes on a whole new meaning for us being rebuilders of God's kingdom. We're actually going to a place. We'll be there later on this morning to pray, to rebuild walls, to rebuild God's reputation in a community. Will there be people around us, some who love it and some who don't want it at all? Great. God's work. God's going to do what he's going to do. God's plan. But I just kept thinking back. I, I thought this sermon, this, this, these chapters, this is not just Nehemiah's story. This is our story. We are living the same story, but again in the future. So this was written, Ezra and Nehemiah were two books written together, somewhere around like 445 B.C., so we're 2080, so about 2,400 years ago, the story of what God did with Israel in that day was recorded and written down. But God is the same, and the world's the same, and sin is always the same, and God's power is always the same. And so these cycles and these stories do repeat each other, which is why they've been written down. The Bible is not an exhaustive list of everything that God's ever going to do. It's just perfect examples of all the sorts of things that God does. And so we read it and it's like, that same sort of thing is happening to me now. Ah, this is how they worked through it. This is where they failed. Let's try to avoid that failure. This is what worked. Let's pray for that same success. And so I want to read this again three years later as almost like a bookend to a series uh, that I didn't realize God was having us preach and pray and walk for these past three years. Uh, but but I'm going to stop at the end of each section and just have us consider what does this mean for us. This is our story. This is God's story. This is what God does and he's called us. You're going to recognize it's not just rebuilding walls. And that could easily be a trap that we fall into as well. Paintbrush, bricks, floors. Mm -mm -mm. God's kingdom. And so we need to be looking at ourselves as we go through this process and say, where are my walls kind of faded? Where's the paint chipping? Where am I crumbling a little bit? Because there is this way that God wants to work in us to rebuild us at the same time as we're rebuilding a space. But we're not just rebuilding a space. We're trying to establish God's city, God's location, an outpost for God's kingdom 
in downtown Taunton where he's given us a little foothold and called us to this place. So I encourage you to think about what it means to you where we can be rebuilding and praying for it, how this story will go for us. And I believe it will go exactly the way this went for the nation of Israel and Nehemiah. And so I'd just like to read it together. Nehemiah chapter 1. These are the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, now here's their report. It's, It's a bad report. Nehemiah gets a bad report. The remnant there in the province who survived the exile is in great trouble. And in shame, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayers of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. You have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you be dispersed be under, though you're dispersed, be under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Now, Lord, they're your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hands. So, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servants today. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. So this is the report. This is what we've all been kind of like having a little bit of heartache over. Like, what is the report of Christianity today in the world? It feels like the report is not good and God's people are looking so much like the world and God's power is not being shown and Christians are just as overwhelmed by everyone else and aren't living in the hope that we should have. And there's too many scandals in the church that rob God of his glory and there's too many mistakes that we make that we pin on God when we should be taking ownership. And we look at the report of the church and say it could be so much better. Why don't we all look like Jesus? Why isn't the kingdom growing like it should, like it can? And I love how Nehemiah doesn't point fingers. He gets on his knees and confesses his sins. And we've done that much over the last few years. Father God, we have not always been what we needed to be. It's not all those other churches out there. Why can't they get on the the wagon and do it the right way? It's all of us. Father, why do we slip? Why do we fall? What can we do? He says, God, it's for your name, and it's your strength, and it's your power, and it's your one. That's what we've been praying too, right? God, your glory, your plan. And so then Nehemiah says, well, what's my opportunity? Who am I, and what could I do about it? I'm one guy. He said, well, God has put me in a place with opportunity. There is a king here. I'm going to have a conversation with that king. And God, if it's your will, open this door so that this location might be rebuilt, that it might be established for your name to go out from there. And may it just be of you. And there was risk involved. And so he goes to the person who can either give, uh, authorize, or uh, kill him for even asking the question. This is the king. Chapter 2. 
Now, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now, I had never been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. And then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? And so I prayed, <laughs> prayed hard. I prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I might rebuild it. And the king said to me, with the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me, given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he might give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. The gatekeeper in our story has been Jose himself, the owner of this building, who initially said, no, no churches in this place. And yet when someone who's a friend of a friend of a friend said, meet these people, just see what they're about before you just say no. And then we met. God gave us favor in that conversation. And he opened a door for us to go to a place that was closed to us before. And not only that, but Jose has been an ambassador to us, to every single person in the downtown community, all the business owners, to the officials saying, these are good people. This is a good vision. I want to see this happen. I vouch for them. He's given us his verbal letters of endorsement. He's helped us. He sent in this case, the king sent lumber and timber. We are going to see God provide the supplies for us along the way because it is favor given by God in a direction that he's calling us to go. This is our story. It's just the same. You know, exchange the names, fast forward the dates, but we're seeing the same things happen. And it's not because of Nehemiah. It's not because of Pastor David. It's not because Israel was so hot or New Hope is so great. They weren't. We aren't. I'm not. He wasn't. We're just God's people. But he's like pushing. God's pushing in a direction and opening doors to go from A to B and B to C and C to D. And it's beautiful to see how Nehemiah approached that. And he was afraid along the way. And I'm going to be afraid along the way. And you're all going to be afraid along the way. And it's okay because it's not going to be our confidence or our fear that make it successful. It's going to be God's plan or not God's plan that's going to make it successful. So we just pray. We pray deeply. And then we say the thing and we see where it goes. And that's been our story for, what are we in, the six months? That's been our story for five months straight. And I hope it just becomes our story. I hope we always live this way. All right, dear God, what are you calling? Okay, and then the next step gets revealed. And it isn't like, wow, we rebuilt it. And then we sit down, you know, and our lazy boys, and we kick up our feet, and we're just like, we're done. We did it. No, we better not. We, it won't work. We can try that if we want, but it won't work. God is calling us to do. He called them to do. And look how it went. It wasn't always easy. And that's where we get here. They expected and they received opposition. And we will as well. Don't wait for everything to just be perfect and simple to prove that this must be God's will. Most times, there's tons of opposition against the things that God wants to see done. So the opposition looked like this in their story. We will see as we walk forward what it looks like in our story. 
So, verse 9. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river, and I gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me with officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of God. So I went to Jerusalem, and I was there three days. And then I arose in the night, and a few men with me. And I told no one what God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up by the night, in the night by the valley, and I inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned." And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and they despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. We, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. So this chapter speaks to me in particular because he's doing his thinking, his praying before bringing it to the elders. And I and then Michelle and I together, we did our own thinking and praying before we came to you. Inspect the city, inspect the condition of the church, inspect the condition of God's kingdom, inspect the condition of our church family, inspect the condition of a possible building. But at some point, you're like... Something's happening here, and it's no longer for us to just think about. And he brought it to the elders. And he said, this is what I have seen. And what did they say? Let us rise up and build. That was our vote, right? That's March 1st of this year, where all of us say, we've thought, we've prayed. Let us arise together and go and build. And the hand of God will be on us. This is our story. This is my story. This is your story. This is God's story. It's the same story, because it's God doing what God does. Now, this next chapter is a list of how they rebuilt it. And so I'll give you one thing to think about, and I'm going to read it. It's almost like when you read genealogies, though, in the Bible, and it's like, this guy, the son of this guy, and this guy, the son. Don't blur through it. Don't take a quick two-minute nap while I read this. Like, stick with me, because each person did their own part. And this has always been sort of like a curiosity on my part, almost like a question or a problem, because a lot of the things of serving that we've done have been like physical or manual labor. Serve home, a lot of it is like home repair. And so I think for some of us, and some of you even said to me, well, I can't do missional stuff because I don't know how to swing a hammer, or I'm not strong, or I don't know how to use tools. It always struck me that each of us should just use whatever gifts we have in whatever moment we're in with whatever opportunity we have. It's not about labor. And so I love the fact that each person just worked on the section of the wall that was in front of them. And so that's all I want to ask each of us to do. Not all of us have to be the painters. Not all of us have to be floor layers. Not all of us have to be laborers. Some of us need to be witnesses and evangelists. Some of us need to be prayers. Some of us need to be child watchers while someone else swings the hammer. Some of us need to be wisdom givers. Some of us need to be financial advisors. Like all these roles, but everybody just worked on the part of the wall that was there. 
And so it wasn't overwhelming to any one person, but everyone came to the task and just worked with what was in front of them. So I asked you to just do the same. Whatever you see is the section of wall in front of you that you can help rebuild in whatever that looks like. Be it at home, praying, be it at the center, painting, anywhere in between. That's going to be what God calls us each to do. And then we will see this wonderful big thing happen when each of us does our part. So here's a description of the city as they rebuilt these walls, every single one of them. The priests, you know, Nehemiah himself. So if I'm going to be in this role of being a leader during this season, it's not mine to just point and say, do that, or you missed a spot, or like, well, work faster, I need fun. No, to be involved myself and invest. And Nehemiah was that way, so I can take his example for myself as well and just work on whatever parts of the wall are in front of me. So, chapter 3, verse 1. Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate, and they consecrated it and set its doors. We're going to pray a prayer of consecration in just a little while. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate, and they laid its beams, and they set its doors, and its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. So there we have a couple that were too, too pretty to get their hands dirty. Let's not be like them. That's not a compliment in that verse there. Just recognize that. Verse 6. Joida, the son of Pesaiah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the gate of Yashana. They laid its beams. They set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Next to them... I was like, keep my page. Next to them repaired Melatiah the Gibeonite and Jadon the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them Uziel, the son of Harhiah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them Raphiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half of the district of Jerusalem, repaired. And next to them Jediah, the son of Haramoth, repaired opposite to his house. And next to him Hattush, the son of Hashabaniah, repaired. Malchijah, the son of Haram, and Hashab, the son of Path of Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of half of the district of Jerusalem, repaired. He and his daughters. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it, and they set its doors and its bolts and its bars, and they repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malchijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarem, repaired my page right here. the dung gate. He rebuilt it. He set its doors, its bolts. And its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kal Hosa, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate, and he rebuilt it and covered it. And he set its doors and its bolts and his bars, and he built the wall of the pool of Shelah, of the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. And after him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Beth Zur, repaired a point opposite to the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. 
And after him, the Levites repaired, right? These are the priests. They're not even supposed to be doing work, but they're involved. After him, the Levites repaired, Rehum, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Kila, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired, Bavi, the son of Henadad, ruler of half the district of Kila. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. And after him, Baruch, the son of Zabai repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib. And after him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. And after them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. And after him, Benui, the son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palal, the son of Uzai, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. Then after him, Padiah, the son of Parash, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. And after him, the Tekoyites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. And after him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah and Hanum, the, son, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Barakiah, repaired opposite his chamber. And after him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants opposite the mustard gate and to the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. So if we're going to put this into our words. It's going to be Ian went from the front balcony stairs over to the crease on the side wall. Who was there yesterday? Tracy ripped down the wall from the back bathroom to the side. Greg pulled down the ceiling section from the back bathroom to the middle crease to the new bathrooms. Uh, Greg McIver came in and he chipped away at the old mortar between the first window and the second. And everyone did it in their own way, in their own place. But the spiritual lesson here is much farther. It says each one opposite of his own home. I want us to be in rebuilding mode 24-7 because the center is going to teach us how to be this way. So when you're in your apartment, you open the door, there is a door right across from yours. I want you to be rebuilding right near your home. I want to be looking across my wooden fence on one side and see the Harkins, a beautiful family who we love and have moved in a few years ago. And I want to be rebuilding relationships with them, helping them build relationships with God because they're right near my home. The center is not like a delegated thing that happens to be in town. It's this place where each of us is meant to learn what it means to just take your section to the wall as you're rebuilding your home in Rainham and seeing what God does there. That's not just a home. That's an outpost for the kingdom and there are neighbors there, each one in his own place. So where's your place? What are you going to build? What's broken there? Christians are supposed to have a corner on the market for things like forgiveness and reconciliation and peacemaking. It's what our God gave to us, so it's what we try to bring to the world. I promise you, everyone around you needs that in your place. And everyone we meet in town is going to need that. And everybody around us here needs that because we all need that. So this, this long list of exactly what it took is going to look like this in Jen. 
sorry, you're going to have to track all of us doing all these things for however long it takes. And she'll know at the end. She'll be like, so Brendan was there, and he worked on this section of the thing for this day. And then Jane went over there, and she like, we'll know. We don't know yet. We're just starting. But as long as each of us dives into whatever is in front of us to do, and we don't just relegate it to the center as if that's just the special place, that's the spiritual place, that's where God's turning us into rebuilders. This is a time to learn what this means and do it in ourselves. Do it as we reach out to others and then have this very visible weekly reminder of what it means you know, put elbow grease into your faith, physically as well as spiritually. So we pick up again. Verse 15. Now, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated... Oh, I skipped, didn't I? Verse 1. Got to catch me. Be like, yo, 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 Dave, what are you doing? Verse 1. Okay. Now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry. So this is people around that don't want to see this project succeed. He was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews, and he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, yes, that's what they're building. If a fox goes up on it, he'll break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunts on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. And so we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry and they all plotted to come together and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And so we prayed to our guard, prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. So at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. You know, give up. In the lowest parts of the space, behind the walls and in open places, I stationed people by their clans with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. And from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held spears and shields and bows and coats of mail. Then the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. And those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. And the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and it's widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpets, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And so we labored at the work. Half of them held the spears from the break of dawn till the stars came out. And I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem so there may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. The New Testament says that we do not fight against flesh and blood but we fight against spiritual forces. And so the version of this that we will need 
every second of every day is for us to be fighting in prayer, fighting in faith, fighting with intercessory prayers, fighting with reading of scripture, spiritual weapons that God has given us, arming ourselves with things like the armor of God, faith, righteousness, salvation, readiness to share the gospel, right? The word of God. These will be our weapons and we will need to both be constructive and combative. Constructive on the place, but willing to combat all the thoughts that will come against us from people around us and say, what does this small church think they're doing? I was like, well, it's not us doing it. God's doing a thing. We're being faithful and just following into that. And we also need to be on the defense against our own thoughts. There were many of them in Jerusalem that said, ah, it's too much. We're not going to be able to do it. And we're going to have days like that. And what does he say? In a moment where the wall gets weak, everybody rally to that point. So on the day where I'm the weak one, I need you to rally to me and be like, let's pray, Dave. God's got this. And when I see you and recognize like discouragement, being overwhelmed, it's my responsibility to run to your side and be like, God's still got us. He had us yesterday. He's got us today. He's going to have us tomorrow. We can do this because it's not us. It's him. We're just being faithful with the part of the wall. So if we pray and if we work, and if like 50% of us is active and 50% of us is spiritually active, physically and spiritually, that's the recipe for success here. If they were just praying but not putting their hands to a task, it wouldn't have got done. But if they just tried to work hard and hope for the best, they would not have succeeded against everything against them. We need to be able to do both just as they did both. So we're going to flip over to um, the consecration because that's where we are going today. Uh, so we're in chapter 6, verse 15. This is the end of uh, that section. So let's read what they did at the end. And then we will actually transition to a time of singing a song, taking communion, and going to do this exact same thing today. Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. Do you think we can get the center done in 52 days? Please, Lord. That would be a true miracle. I don't think so. I don't think that's his plan. But if he wants to... He can. He re rebuilt the entire city of Jerusalem's walls in 52 days. That's a very bigger job than we have. That, that's a monumental task. We just have one little cube, you know, sitting between a store on this side and a store on this side. We've got our 4,000 square feet and we're trying to fill it with beauty and with prayer and with joy. I don't know. We don't know. That's the question everybody asks me. You know, people in the community are friends. We're doing this thing. Oh, cool. When do you think it'll be done? 52nd day of the month of Elul, I guess. I don't, maybe. I don't know. I wish I knew. That's the one thing I want to know so much, but we'll just take one step at a time and we'll see how it goes. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and they fell greatly in their own esteem for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. That's the key. I want that so badly. I don't want to be getting compliments from people on how great we've done or how smart we are. It's like that's going to ruin it for me. If we end up at the end of this and people are like complimenting New Hope as if we're something. Please fight against that. Take the moment and be like, it really couldn't have been done if it wasn't God doing it. Just say that. Just say something because he has to get the glory. Everybody around them was like, man, I feel sheepish because how did they do that? I said it couldn't be done and then it just got done. 
And it clearly wasn't the goldsmiths and priests who knew how to do this stuff. They're just people that put their hands to the task. They had God's favor and his blessing. So I really, really, really want this for us. And I'm praying for this for us. We need to remind each other to shoot for this target. Verse 17, Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara. And his son, Jehonan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the daughter of Berechiah's wife. So they were like interconnected, so he knew what was going on. Um, also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. And appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard posts and some in front of their own homes. Now the city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been built. So this was the completion of their project. We are in the first stages of seeing how God will open doors and of putting our hands to the task. And I've seen God be faithful to us so far. And as I read this story and see that he can be faithful for a long time over a complicated task for something that could bring him glory. I have all the confidence in the world he's going to lead us through. This is the overcomer that we talked about last week. What does it mean to overcome the world? It means that Jesus like pulls you over the mountains. You come over them. They do not overcome you. We don't land at the bottom of the mountain. We're not crushed and, and ruined. We, but we need to be pulled and led and carried by Jesus over the obstacles as we face them one by one. So, music team, come forward, please. Um, we are going to, Michaela can give us more direction. We're going to do communion as we close our service here at 11.59. Danny, don't leave. He said if it went over too much, he was just going to walk out. So we're good. It's 11.59. 12.10, right. I feel like we're right on track. Good. So we got Danny till the end of the service. Um, we are going to sing this song. We invite you to stand and sing it with us. And at whatever point during the song that you feel led to come forward and take communion, please do so. And this is recommitting yourselves to the covenant with God. And, and for us as a body, this is a very specific thing happening now. So this covenant is wrapped up in, well, God, how will you use us? And this covenant wrapped up, what are you saying to us? And we're trying to be discerning and trying to look for opportunities. So as we're singing, as you're taking communion, as you return to your seats, and uh, we finish with this song, um, just be trying to live in Nehemiah. See where you are in that story. Focus on where Christ is in that story because we are not sufficient. That's the gospel, right? We cannot do anything on our own, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So as we celebrate communion, I ask you to now rise with us. Please be thinking about these things as we close.